0: Hey everyone, I'm Andrew, and you're listening to Small Efforts, a collaboration between Crit and Miss Grants.
1: And hi, I'm Sean. Small Efforts is a show where we talk about cybersecurity, design, and the continuous small efforts it takes to build a business. Out of curiosity, yeah. how long does it take for you to turn around like a case study for some of your clients?
0: Um, so I feel like the actual turnaround from, hey, we've decided to do a case study, to, hey, we've published a case study probably like four to six weeks, something like that. The biggest challenge for us with case studies is just like timing it right, getting, figuring out when we have done enough work that the client has started to see some value and the client is like really excited. But then if we wait a really long time, then, you know, they're more removed from the initial work that we did. And so it's harder. It's more of like, think back on six months ago or a year ago or something. And so figuring out that timing piece has been a little bit tricky. So I think what we've started to do is just like, when we're wrapping up the initial engagement, which is usually like three months in going ahead and asking, and just talking to them about doing a case study. And then we can always come back and update it later. So at that stage, they often haven't gotten like, you know, they don't have hard metrics to share. So it's more talking to them about like, the experience of working with us and and kind of how excited they are about the potential and some of that and then we can always come back and update with hard
1: metrics once we have that later gotcha cool okay yeah it's taken us a long time to write case studies we fell into the trap of uh i pay someone to write them and that makes a world of difference (laughs) true yeah that's fair. Delegating is a
0: cool and useful <laughs> skill. <laughs> it's one I'm pretty terrible at, but but there are a few things where uh-huh. I have finally learned how to do it. And writing case studies is definitely one. Nice. Okay. On that topic, one of the things that I wanted to just sort of catch you up on today was some of the Legion stuff that I'm thinking about. Because I think oh, cool. okay. our pipeline has gotten pretty sparse, to be honest, lately. Okay. So we have like one really good security client who's a a larger firm who I would be really excited to work with in the pipeline right now. And then, you know, we have like a blockchain project that we have just done the discovery work for. And so we might do some work with them. And then we've been getting a trickle of like non-technical leads still from like the past work we did, but we're trying as much as possible to refer those elsewhere because we really want to focus on on cybersecurity. So I've been thinking a little bit lately about just needing to ramp Legion up. I haven't been spending as much time on it in part because I've been spending more time on recruiting, which is also something I kind of want to tell you about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm excited. Cool. But yeah, so I wrote out like the four things I think we're doing on the Legion front. Okay. And I thought I could just share those with you and then get your thoughts on where to spend my efforts a little bit. So the two that we're doing for sure are this podcast. So we need to find that editor and get this, get this published. Uh So this podcast, and then I'm actually going to get involved in writing again. So a writer who we've been working with for several years is about to go on maternity leave. And so I'm going to, while she's on maternity leave, I'm going to try to get back into the habit of writing two blog posts a month. And while she's on maternity leave, we're going to hire an editor and I'm going to, I'm trying to also sort of hire some accountability. So hire a boss for myself, be like, all right, give me deadlines and then I will meet those deadlines. (laughs) Yeah, because (laughs) with writing more than anything else, I will procrastinate until the last possible minute. My thought is like from a content production standpoint, I want to get to a cadence where I'm writing something every other week and then we get a we publish a podcast every other week so that there's a piece of content that we're working on coming out every week. And we've been writing and posting content on the blog for a long time. But for a while, I would handed it off to Laura Bosco, who's a super talented writer. And I think I've started to realize I just want to get a little bit more involved in it because I want to build that writing habit and I enjoy it. And I think in some ways, I'm a little more tied to some of the sales stuff we're doing. And so hearing more of what like clients want. And Laura does a great job of sort of pulling that out of us but so on the writing front, what we're going to do is I'm going to hire an editor and I'm going to start writing while she's on maternity leave. And then I think when she comes back from maternity leave, we're going to work with her to start ramping up the work we're doing on our internal playbook. Gotcha. So I've been thinking a lot about that lately and hiring an editor. That's one of the things on my list for the next couple of weeks. And then I've felt for a long time like speaking is probably the most logical way to get our name out there in the security space. So you were kind enough to help me edit my first abstract for a a speech. So I've officially submitted that. And so fingers crossed that could get one under my belt and then hopefully use that to start speaking a little bit more. Yeah. And then the fourth piece that's like a little more nebulous. And so maybe we could get thoughts from you on like how to do this well is like... Honestly, the way that we've built a pipeline more than anything else over the years, content has always provided like maybe 30% of our pipeline or something like that. The rest Mm. has just been like building relationships, which is a less shitty way of saying networking. (laughs) But A, I'm not 100% sure like how to network in this space yet. And B, I feel like networking is harder when it's remote because Convincing someone to hop on a Zoom call is like in some ways harder, I think, than convincing someone to go get a cup of coffee with you. And so yeah, I'm curious. Um, one if you have any advice for like where who to talk to in the security space or like where to look to sort of make connections and just start to build relationships. And it I plan on approaching it very organically, so very much just like not. Talking to you and being like, all right, cool. Do you want some product design work? But it's just like, (laughs) no. I just I want to meet some people in the space and start to figure out who are the people who we gravitate towards naturally. And I just want friends, Sean. Um, (laughs) I want some security (laughs) friends. (laughs) I get that. So yeah, do you have any thoughts on like people we should talk to or where to like just sort of hang out? And then do you have any thoughts on how to make that ask for like, hey, do you want to hop on a a Zoom call. How do you make that not suck?
1: <laughs> yeah. The first three are awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, same in terms of lead gen, this podcast. I've reserved Saturdays as my like writing day. It's really just like a dump of my thoughts and forcing myself to kind of like sit in front of a computer and just like de-stress and journal down I don't know like just write everything that, that's also my small effort of the week by the way nice. cool cool <laughs> just
0: writing more and then real quick are you mostly doing sort of journaling for yourself or are you planning to publish some
1: of that writing publish
0: publish publish so less actually have you published anything
1: yet no okay no, cool. no, no. everything sits in a notion and and is still like very scrambled I think for me the the writing has been me I think on on a lot of pitches and calls and whatnot with like the prospective clients or or current clients, there's a lot of ideas and things I talk about, but it hasn't put into words and into something that I feel is defensible. And I've been trying to also create like this culture of just written word within miscreants, just getting everyone to write a little bit more, kind of stealing that from like Amazon and Bezos's like concept of like writing memos to each other. But anyway, just so super excited to kind of, Hear you, you doing those three things. I'm excited. I hope your talk gets submitted. I think it's very needed and it's a different perspective for people who are looking or have thought about found like being a founder in security. And I think that there's a lot of like security people out there who could be founders because of the tools they build and all these things they build for the community. And just have never thought about kind of like monetizing it or building a company out of it. Awesome. I really appreciate that. And for any listeners, the,
0: so the, the gist of the talk that I submitted is we've now worked with, I want to say like six or seven cybersecurity founders over the last like two years. And so I'm trying to pull four lessons from three of the founders who we've built really strong relationships with and just sharing what we've learned from working with them and what, sort of strategies they've used that have worked well so i'm excited about it too and yeah really appreciate your help on that one on the writing thing real quick i think i might set you a challenge i think we should okay what would be a good challenge that would motivate you to have something published by our next episode do you want to just say on air right now that you're going to have something published by our next episode sure when is our next episode? (laughs) two weeks two weeks (laughs) Two weeks, two weeks. Yeah, I can have something done in two weeks. You owe me Chick Fil A if I. Okay, <laughs> all right. I will buy you Chick Fil A. I will. Yeah, I will totally buy you Chick Fil A if you have something published in two weeks. And if you don't, you have to buy me Chick Fil A.
1: Okay. Oh, I was going to buy you Chick Fil A if you have something oh, published okay, in two okay. weeks. Okay, that works too. As well, so that works too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we can make it a win-win. It doesn't have to be zero so <laughs> We can both eat Chick Fil A together <laughs> on the next call. It'll be a really like. Gross <laughs> call of hearing us just eating. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. I found out the other day I really don't like those noises. Oh, I by hate the way. them so much. What uh, misophonia? Yeah, misophonia. I just I learned that word off like someone else's podcast. I was like, oh, that's why it aggravates me. Here's the thing, though. Uh-huh. Is there
0: anyone on Earth who doesn't have misophonia? Like, is there anyone who actually likes hearing smacking, like chewing noises?
1: Yeah. Most, like,
0: people in Asia. Really? Oh, that's a Yeah, thing. it's, that like, a it's thing, respectful
1: it? to eat so loudly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in Japan, you have to, like, not that you have to, but it's, like, respectful to slurp your noodles. Like, chewing through mouth closed has never been a thing in Chinese culture. It was something, like, taught to me as I became westernized, I guess, if for lack of a better term. Um, oh, my mom used to give me so much. I have horrible allergies, and so I, like, can't breathe
0: through my nose very well or couldn't yeah, as yes. a kid and so like i would always smack and my mom would get on my case <laughs> like yeah no smacking no elbows on the table <laughs> napkin in your lap <laughs> yeah just other you know what? things. etiquette is important maybe i don't know i have mixed feelings on it it's, it's yeah, it, it can go overboard and it can be bullshit but also like teaching people to be considerate of the people around them i think is a valid thing yeah agreed anyway back to writing yeah. <laughs> So yeah, you were telling me a little bit about writing. Have you thought about doing any speaking?
1: Yeah. So actually I've been working on a presentation. It's been something I've been I've given in like closed room, close Zoom conversations. It's just about like cybersecurity, like product design slash implementing more let me think about how to say this. It's like a mini talk slash pitch often on how we can make cybersecurity products more fun or more enjoyable as a user experience. I think the premise is that like there's like a UX hierarchy of needs, right? You go from like having a functional product or like like a competent product to eventually having like a convenient product. And I think a lot of UX design gets to this level of convenience. And I think it takes a long time to get to this level of convenience, but once you're there, there's also other things you can do in terms of like making it something that people really love and getting people that Actually, evangelize your product. Like, I mean, a good example of this is like what you did with Gray Noise, or what you guys did with Gray Noise, right? Like, I think that there's such an opportunity for cybersecurity product design to be so much better because of how quickly users kind of rallied around a well-designed product. And I think that, yeah, that's kind of like the premise of of the conversation. One of the big challenges we always have face
0: is in like the product strategy sessions we do on that front. Is like, yeah, how do you make time? For those little what we're talking about is taking the time to create those little elements of delight, like creating those those little details that make an experience, elevate an experience from like, cool, I'm using a software product to man, this just like screams this brand and it gets me excited to use this. And oh, this this thing was cool. By the way, there's an Easter egg in gray noise that no one has found yet that I I desperately want someone to find. So okay challenges out there there's a great easter egg in gray noise somewhere okay. <laughs> <Good> to know. <laughs> but often when when you're working with early stage startups in particular the challenge is like those little elements of delight are so important and so valuable but they're ultimately at the end of the day right back to the hierarchy of needs they're not as important as like meeting your customers basic needs and like providing value to them and one of the big challenges we face is like if founders aren't pared down enough in their vision, if they haven't figured out how to focus enough on just doing like one or two things, and they're not willing to be a little scrappy early on, then you don't have time for those little delightful elements. Like the reason we were able to build so much of that into Grey noise was because Andrew was so rigorous about doing only the bare minimum that was necessary that it gave us the time to explore and do some of those other things. So like, perfect example, noise didn't have user accounts at all when we first launched the Visualizer. It was just like, and tons of founders would have been like freaked out, like, oh, if someone's going to scrape my data or whatever. Andrew was like, does not matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're going to launch without user accounts. It'll be fine. Right. And that gave us the time to like, really spend time on the tab autocomplete and really spend time on some of the transitions. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, diatribe over. <laughs> but No, no, you're fine. I think that's one of the, things that people sometimes miss in is like those elements are super important but you've got to be disciplined in other areas in order to like make the time and space for your team to focus on those things yeah no absolutely
1: usually actually interestingly enough um this like mini conference-esque talk are generally for clients that have been around in the game for like five to 10 years and have, they're large, but, you know, they feel this pain point of like, oh, our software feels Mm. so utilitarian, right? It's, uh, yeah. Nice. It's large, it's utilitarian. It uses like a basic UI kit and it's cool. Everything works, but there's no brand or soul in it. And we're helping them kind of like, like inject a little bit of that. That's super cool. But yeah, no, I think that's a really good point though. I think there's a lot of value in thinking about that early on. And implementing even just like little tiny things in there is so valuable for just retaining early users and just creating like shareable moments too, right? Like I'm sure that when someone finds the Easter egg, they're gonna put it on Twitter. Oh man! And then everyone's gonna go try it, right? Is that the breakfast? No, or milk? Oh, I wish. Oh,
0: I might I might have to lobby <laughs> for a milk themed <laughs> milk themed Easter. Yeah, egg that's somewhere. what I'm saying. Like <laughs> this was this was like. At the time, like the milk thing hadn't even become a meme yet. Also, hilarious that Grey Noise, that Andrew has managed to like become a meme. <laughs> but, but yeah, the milk thing wasn't even a meme yet at this point. That was... Gotcha. Yeah, we, uh, we really want to start working with more folks like what you just described. You know, our background is so much early stage, like seed stage. And we're doing some work for a company right now who's a little more established, like 50 to 80 people. And it's been so refreshing because their timelines a little less aggressive and like like we have a dedicated like product manager on their side who is like helping get all the requirements that we need yeah and then too like you have a chance to make a bigger impact faster a little bit because you know when you're working with someone a little more established distribution isn't something you're having to worry about so Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah absolutely yeah so cool i can't wait to hear the talk what are you
1: thinking of uh submitting it to i don't know yet it was initially developed like it was developed from just like a personal research project and then it became it turned into like this pitch cool so last two weeks ago we were talking about like pitching about us pitching a large company um, like a large security company. So after the talk, or sorry, after the pitch, we might go and make it public and, and scrub some names off of there. But yeah, I don't know. I can't tell you. Or I couldn't. I wanted to. You could, you know, uh, even if I wanted to tell you, I couldn't just because I don't know.
0: If there's not like a conference you want to go talk to, the other thing you could do is just like record a quick webinar or something like that. Yeah. And release it that way. It could be cool. Yeah.
1: Well, actually, this is part of the writing I was telling you about. Cool. So the whole idea is to do like a miscreants newsletter called Mindshare. Nice. Very much about branding and marketing and also a little bit of product, but mainly about branding and design within cybersecurity and how to capture more Mindshare. Like build more memorable brands, more product, more memorable product experiences, etc. So, this is maybe like episode two or something. But
0: when you think, anyway, when you think about, sorry, one more yeah, <laughs> rabbit no no hole. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Go when for it. you think about creating the Miscreants newsletter, are you thinking about, so I, I think of there being really two common forms of newsletters long form. So, you know, this stuff we're seeing on Substack, and that's what Crit has always done. We've done long form newsletters, which, you know, is essentially emailing people a blog post or pieces of a blog post as a newsletter and we include the entire thing most of the time in the email so people can just open their inbox read it and it's more about I think establishing it's more a, a little more thought leadership it's a little bit more about establishing your expertise mm-hmm. and then there's the more there's the curation newsletter which is curating links from other places and that is a little bit it's less evergreen and it's more about news and how do we you know, stay on top of the latest stuff and share really interesting things. So like Daniel Meesler's newsletter, uh, I'm blanking on the name. Something just Unsupervised learning. Unsupervised learning. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Longtime subscribers. I (laughs) love that newsletter. It's great. It's fantastic. I love curated newsletters, but I also really appreciate a couple of long form ones. So I'm curious, when you say you're thinking about starting a misgrains newsletter, which have you thought about which path you want to go
1: down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's definitely long form. It's a lot of those ideas that usually get brought up in conversations, like our conversations, where I find the confidence to tell you, like all these concepts and theories that are in my head. And now I'm, I want to put it on paper and actually well, digital paper and publish it. Yeah, that is almost exactly like what
0: I hope to do with, with this podcast too. is like sort of test ideas with each other and like bounce some stuff off for sure. And then like when there's something that feels good and like we've sort of worked it out out loud then
1: go and write about it and post it on places (laughs) yeah no absolutely i mean the good thing is this is almost kind of like how to seed an audience and get them ready for a potential like larger post that's more thought out and less just like two guys on the internet like jamming on something by the way
0: funny newsletter uh story one of our (laughs) <laughs> two of our most active newsletter subscribers are my mom and austin's mom and i almost without fail when i send a newsletter so a lot of the newsletters have for the past couple of years have come from laura if one comes from me my mom will almost always reply <laughs> so i gotta i gotta reply this morning <laughs> awesome. to my latest blog post and that's awesome it's so funny but at the same time i totally appreciate it Like yeah, having a little mom support is never a bad thing. Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: (laughs) My biggest listener of the previous podcast I was doing, um, which we'll get into because it's related to networking, but was my mom. Like, she doesn't have like a grasp of the English language. She speaks Chinese mainly, and her biggest complaint is it's an interview style podcast. But her biggest complaint is you don't talk enough on it. Like. Why don't you talk more? I like, well, because <laughs> well, she'll love this about, one then. <laughs> yeah, she'll love small true, efforts. True, true. That's true. I think she'll be excited to hear me do a podcast again. I think she. Every single time I go home, she's like, "Oh, when are you gonna? When are you gonna be on the radio again?" <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah, that's so that's great. Super cute. What's your mom's name? Her English name is Shuli. Okay, and then her Chinese name is Shuling. Shout out to moms. <laughs> My mom's name is Allison. It's also Mother's Day this Sunday. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say.
0: Yeah. I have an idea for Mother's Day, which I guess I can talk about cuz that's <laughs> that's maybe
1: getting Yeah, I mean it'll come it'll top. come out. It'll come out after Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <right.
0: laughs> go, uh, this is just getting even more off topic, but so I'm moving to Detroit in June and so I I thought it might be fun to buy my mom a gift certificate to a restaurant in Detroit, a to like sort of help restaurants and B to force my mom to come visit me in Detroit um so i think i might for mother's day buy her a gift certificate to a, a, a cool restaurant in detroit nice i should also do that <laughs> for my mom buy, <laughs> buy your mom a
1: gift yeah. certificate, certificate to a restaurant to detroit. in detroit yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and no, i think i think i'm like i'm heading back and take her to dinner cool and the rest of the family too yeah nice but yeah shouts out to allison as well <laughs> if you're listening Andrew's pretty cool. So, uh, so networking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, networking, networking, networking. This is why I brought up the podcast. So besides just kind of like meeting people at conferences, which is a big part of networking in my opinion, meeting people who I think were a little bit more influential in, or, or who are a little bit more influential in our security community, not so much in like an influencer type of way, but just because they often are the ones who are less afraid of saying controversial things or some people who are just generally well-respected and whatnot that was i think in large in part because i was doing a podcast and interviewing them i think it helped a lot And i think you know we can do that with this show as well but i think bringing in even just like security agency owners or security you know firm owners or i think would be super cool just even finding parallels or having conversations i think that was a big part in how i got connected a lot of i think the security world's still really small so after any like good conversation, they were always like, oh, you should talk to like this person or this person. And it just became this, you know, uh, this, this like like kind of a tree. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In my head I was thinking like fractals for some reason, <laughs> that, but that works too. Yeah. It just, it just branched out and then that they helped me connect a lot. But I think in terms of hitting someone up on Twitter or hitting up someone for a Zoom call, Usually, I think... So have you done that? Do you do any of that? Just like, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, you know, how I got people on for the podcast in the first place was just kind of DMing random people. And like 90% of them, I think, responded, to be honest. And I think that it doesn't have to be... I don't think it even has to be a podcast. I think there's people that I've met just DMing and talking to. And I think it's just, you know, in response to something they they said um, or something pressing or... Anything like that yeah um, um one other thing we've done so we did this like with when we were doing customer interviews
0: is we reached out to some people and to be fair we started with our clients and so those were obviously very warm intros uh, if our clients won't talk to us we've got a problem <laughs> um, but but then we did like sort of a next level of like prospects so like people who had reached out to us at some point but hadn't become clients and the angle we took there was just like the student angle which i think works pretty well which is like hey we're new to cybersecurity and we're just trying to learn more. Like, do you mind like talking to us for like half an hour one day? And I think people are generally like very like welcoming of people who are open and honest about like not knowing a whole lot. And so yeah. that has been obviously I'm not saying like scam people by pretending like you don't know anything, but being honest about like, I'm kind of new to all of this. Do you mind just like yeah. giving me some advice? And if you're like not asking too much from them, people will often... Be like, sure. Yeah. Happy to talk to you for a little bit. So
1: yeah, might try some of that. I don't even think it's like scamming them. I think it doesn't have to be like, I think the student angle can apply to like anyone, you know, just not necessarily saying like, oh, I'm a student or saying like, oh, like I'm new to something, but really just like asking for advice. I think people are, I mean, especially we have if you have like specific thoughtful questions and you're not just like, exactly. Can I
0: pick your brain? <laughs> if you, yeah, as long yeah, as you yeah, don't no. say can I pick your brain <laughs> you've got a decent shot yeah. well, well there's two things you, can, you can't say that and you can't say can you teach me how to hack yeah. so that's, like, <laughs> that's, like, that's the biggest I think that's like the biggest meme I don't think you know, I've ever just, had anyone ask me to teach them how to hack so <laughs> i mostly get the pick your brain thing in my inbox gotcha
1: gotcha i mean that's that's how we met right like that's so that's, yeah like, you slid into my dms and <laughs> we're like "Sup, dude <laughs> like, that sounds right yeah that sounds like me yeah and i was like let's hop on a call um and then do we hop on a call like literally
0: five minutes within i think i think you might have been like hey i'm free now and i was like yeah i am too <laughs> cool okay <laughs> i'm pretty sure we did yeah, yeah. No, that was, that was awesome. Fun times. And see, this is the kind of thing that I, I'm so much more interested in when like networking is like building actual meaningful friendships, I think will get you so much further than, and so like a lot of times you will talk to people and you'll be like, eh, we just didn't click. And, and I think that's okay. But yeah, I, like, I don't ever go into it like really wanting something specific, which sometimes makes it harder to figure out how to approach someone and ask them for time. But then on the other hand, I think works out better in the long run. Yeah, so
1: for sure. Anyway, yeah. I think for me, I think I just try to make myself useful in whatever way. And I think that's partially my angle with the podcast at the time too. When like I hit people up when something big was happening for them, right? Like someone released the book. So I was like, oh, like want to come talk about it on a show with like two listeners. And then it became four listeners and then more and more, right? So yeah. Yeah, a podcast is a good way to do that. And then sometimes
0: I'll try to be like hey i'm new to cybersecurity, but i know a lot about products so if you have any questions about like product strategy or something sometimes i'll try to like make it sort of like a trade there um obviously ideal is like yeah you see a couple of tweets or you see you find some way to interact with them a little bit in a meaningful way first and then reach out to them but then like like i was thinking about reaching out to like some some vcs and i guess they're like i can sort of offer like deal flow sort of like be like hey i talked to a lot of cybersecurity founders and might be able to send someone your way yeah
1: we're slowly getting connected to vcs in new york city just because we're in new york city so that's been really cool and i think like it's not just deal flow right like the thing i realized is like if i meet a vc and i do work for the vc Mm -hmm. not the work for like the VC specifically but for a a company company. the vc owns Yeah. yeah and then my work raises the value of that company both people are happy. here. (laughs) Like everyone is happy. This is, Um, this is the thing that I've always
0: struggled with, with like sales and like outbound sort of anything is just like getting over the feeling that I'm like, it's, it goes back to like just being confidence that you're providing value to somebody and that your work is valuable and that you can elevate, you know, the value of whoever you're talking to. And, um, sometimes I just get in my head about it and start second guessing that stuff. And it gets really hard to do like the outbound kind of, Stuff.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Your work is valuable, <laughs> man. Like, thank you. Sean. I don't know the last the thank last you, Sean. time we were recording, you're telling me to work on my confidence. But <laughs> I, I, Dude. I it goes both ways. Uh-huh. It goes both ways. That's
0: true. It's also confidence, especially when running a business, is such a freaking roller coaster. There are days where I'm like, we can do anything. And then there are days where I'm like, yeah, what the hell is going on? dude i've been there (laughs) so okay so we talked about legion a good bit that's one of the big things we're working on right now and you told me a little bit about some of the writing and stuff you're doing
1: but Mm -hmm. what's been going on with you for the past couple weeks well so our pipeline has been slowly filling up nice which has been awesome or at least like was very filled up the past couple of months and then definitely dwindling a little bit but that's okay just because we are in over our heads right now with some work cool also the past i would say like we've either designed a website or web app like one a week for the past four or five weeks or something like that like wait you've done I've you've done high. like an entire like website or an entire web app in one week yeah we built an entire web app in one week why how <laughs> we had a client also a friend security adjacent they're looking to really cool stuff like RoboCalls. calls oh like preventing robocalls like fighting robocalls yeah 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 not, yeah, not like like fighting
0: robocalls robocalling more people <laughs> no, no no no. not robocalling more people i don't think i can i don't think i have like it in me to help the company yeah, all like that. That. <laughs> i would maybe like that would be the one case where i'd consider sabotaging somebody is like do you do you take the project and then try to figure out how to undermine them the entire time yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> highly illegal would never do that but
1: yeah yeah exactly but um, fuck robocallers anyway sorry yeah fuck robocallers terrible people (laughs) you're all awful I'm okay with saying that anyway yeah I will take a stance
0: I'm generally like very life is gray and like there's no one truly bad robocallers might be the exception (laughs) (laughs) All right. So yeah, you're telling me about the project. You're
1: yeah. 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 You've done a project a week and you were doing a project for a friend. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we had a friend, a longtime friend. He He's helped a lot of other startups grow like in, in security and whatnot. And he's kind of on his new venture and we were talking and he was like, yeah, I'm working on this thing. And then he's like, yeah, I really need someone to design this. And then we've been talking for a while. And finally that he like, you know, they've built a team and they've secured partnerships in, with like other people in the like telecom world. And whatnot. And and he was calling me one day, he was like, he was just stressed. You know, he was just saying that, like, hey, like, I we needed to get this MVP out like yesterday. And it's like, okay, like, I mean, this doesn't look that hard. So Josh and I kind of just took a crack at it. And I mean, I think it was like a week and a half, but lo and behold, like, boom, here's your MVP. Yeah, that was that's it's a been, lot of it's work. It's been spritz. It's been a lot of sprints. We built. It wasn't even just like, like here's like screens. Here's like React ready components ready for you guys to like just take. Wait, the you Wait, like and, y'all actually built. You were like coding no, no, too, no, like so, writing so up components. No, no, that would have taken.
0: Too okay, much time. <laughs> I was like, how the, <laughs> no, no. I was like, all right, <laughs> I give up running an agency if you can
1: build <laughs> full components <laughs> in a week as well. <laughs> I will say their, a front, like their React engineer built all of the components we designed at Figma in like two days. Jesus. And we were sitting there and it's like, what, who, who are you? <laughs> he has a really stacked team and we really want, I mean, I think I personally really want to see them succeed. But yeah, they're super cool. It took us, I mean, you know, I think the one thing that I should mention is like we designed a really solid MVP. And I'm guessing like there weren't really any revisions? Yeah, there were there were some. There were there were some, but they kind of just let us be their guide and let us take control of everything. And we kind of took a half PM, half designer standpoint. It was just like you need this, 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 and this. Like, here's what makes sense, and built it out for them. So
0: I've been kind of thinking a little bit lately. It's like I want to sit down and give some more thought to it. About like we've ta- very much taken the stance over the past year to that like. We're not going to rush things. Mm. And so like the probably the fastest timeline I would agree to for product design without branding or a website design or anything these days is like two months, like absolute fastest and really more like we're most often doing three months for of like pretty full time work for to create product design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have given some thought to like, is that always the right approach or because like we've definitely built and designed things faster. Like we designed and built from scratch an entire MVP of an application with billing and stuff. I think a few years ago in a month, like built, dreamed it up, scoped it out, designed it, built it. And for a client or for yourself? For ourselves. It was like a, oh, okay. sort of an internal like test project. Gotcha, gotcha. But we like deployed it, had a got a couple of people using it, so it was like a fully functional MVP. And I've sometimes wondered. Like, is there a way to get back to some level of that and where we could like sort of throw more people at something and figure out a process where we could, it would require trust from the clients because I think that's a big part of it is you've got to have like sort of free reign to be able to move that fast. But anyway, sorry, I'm rambling.
1: No, you're fine. No, I mean, I think, you know, I've seen Austin's work and I feel like you guys could like, it comes down to the scope, right? It comes down to like... There's no way we would have been able to do this if this was a B2B platform.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah,
1: especially in security. Like there's no
0: way like, yeah, I should clarify that a lot of these like two to three month projects are like existing
1: B2B platforms that we're like redesigning <laughs> so yeah exactly yeah there's a, there's a huge difference in like redesigning refreshing and like like having to like follow certain APIs and, and whatnot like for us it was they were just like dream up this thing for us and yeah I mean you know it's for consumers it has to do with like call records and stuff so it's not too bad of a thing also they gave us a lot of trust and a lot of free reign and I think everyone was kind of really happy at the end nice, of it
0: man. well I'm really impressed that's being able to do that work that fast and like have the client really happy is not easy to do so i'm not sure i would recommend it in over the long term for like your sanity's (laughs) sake (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah but um but yeah super impressive
1: to be able to knock that out yeah yeah thanks cool man so merchandise yeah yeah merchandise so i think we talked about this right like merchandise has always been kind of at the core of design work that we've done like it's how i started doing design in the first place probably one of the more successful businesses i ran back when i was a child, and. We already designed merchandise for a lot of clients and generally have had really successful results. Like, I want to say viral, but like virality within a security community and not so much virality, virality within the world because we'll never get like 10 million views on
0: something we do, right? Sure, But, but that's not what your clients want. They want virality within the security
1: community. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and I think we have been just kind of incubating this project for a really long time now, and finally, literally today, actually, I'm shipping out things to friends and whatnot. So if you give me your address later, I will also yes send you that. Or if you want your a Detroit address, yeah, I made stickers. People can't see it, but who? Wait, yeah, let me see. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I mean, like little. That's cool sticker <laughs> things. Um, I don't know if you know what a metro card is, but here's a metro card.
0: Um, oh wait wait yeah it took yeah, me a yeah. second to realize it said miscreants that's awesome
1: yeah <laughs> yeah like the show notes if you guys want to buy merchandise yeah part of our so so two things right one we are so do you consider this building merch
0: page. or do you consider it swag like are you planning on giving most of this stuff away
1: to promote miscreants or are you planning on selling it or both it's merch merch not swag if anything i don't even love calling it merch it's it's a cybersecurity, like, streetwear line or cybersecurity, like, fashion line. Cool. Right, like, it's, I think that it's something, it's, so here's the pitch. Okay, right. Hit me. Miscreants is becoming, like, besides, like, Miscreants, the studio, Miscreants, the agency, like, like that stuff, like, Miscreants is the name for our, like, cybersecurity lifestyle brand. Okay, And the idea is that there's so much, like, we've designed so much swag and merchandise over the past however many years, and swag is cool and all that, but it creates a lot of just, waste and it's not always with quality products it's with like really cheap blanks and it's like quick prints and you end up ha- like getting all this stuff that you don't really want to wear right and a lot of times on the other side is that like fashion for hacker types like t-shirts and whatnot that signal that you're in cybersecurity often say something like I'm a hacker on it or like <laughs> some like weird like campy or kish or a cringy thing and like I'm really into fashion especially like the streetwear slash menswear side sure I've never found a way to kind of wear that so this I kind of all started with parroting a lot of like famous brands like antivirus uh, anti-social social club or like Adidas like had a, like an Adidas t-shirt or like and whatnot <laughs> and we wanted to kind of go into uh, making something more legit and going to like this e-commerce world but a lot of our conversation internally around that is also collaborating with our clients or collaborating with just like organizations that we see are pillars of the security community and then just giving hackers something to wear that has like really thoughtful designs and actually really quality garments so like all of our t-shirts are Supima cotton which is like the highest end of cotton that you can have and it's 100% that and it's organic and then it's like fair trade and all these things and it's reasonably priced it's it's 25 to 30 for a t-shirt and like 55 for a hoodie so i think that's pretty good we are working. i gotta be honest
0: i'm normally like very skeptical of merchandise and like streetwear type brands but you are you are selling me pretty hard right now like i'm i'm buying in for sure
1: good 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 i'm glad <laughs> i i've realized that like all i'm good at is like convincing people to spend money on things not necessarily my things, but like convincing my friends to spend money on whatever things they're going to spend money on. So <laughs> it's a pretty valuable skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it helps with our pipeline, right? It helps with us closing customers. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's something that we have a very unique, in my opinion, like a very unique ability to do just because time spent in the security community slash design slash security, like knowledge kind of conglomerate like, or consolidates into really cool t-shirts and really just like good clothes for cybersecurity people. So we have hoodies and sweatpants and actually slippers coming out. Cool. Yeah. 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 Um, I can show you later. Yeah. Yeah. After the call.
0: But what's the like kind of launch plan for this?
1: Yeah. We are probably going to. So we made a work from home capsule as a way to kind of learn the. Oh, oh so the, the thing was that we were doing this to also learn like the supply chain. Like we've sold, I've sold t shirts online, like drop shipping it through Printful a billion times at this point. But the quality just isn't there in terms of printing and also like doing what we really want to and being able to pack in things like stickers isn't something that's really possible without exorbitant fees so i have my entire room you can't see this but the entire right side is just clothes um <laughs> it's just my kitchen table it's just a mess of bags and tags and like hoodies and and whatnot. But um, we really wanted to kind of... So this first work from home capsule, just to kind of like give you something cozy to wear when you're at home while it's getting... while it's still cold, but still, still getting warmer. That was for us to kind of learn our process and then give it to friends and family and people who... Are hopefully going to kind of gas us up to the rest of the security community, and that's kind of our pseudo launch plan. Mm-hmm. The it's not something, so when you uh, when you launch this capsule,
0: are you going to like launch an e-commerce store and like have it available yeah. for purchase, or are you going to start with just like you got to know Sean somehow to get a hold of this?
1: I think for the work from home capsule, I think in a couple of weeks we'll probably put it on an e-commerce store. Cool. We do have like a PR list that we've built up that we're sending it out to people who. I happen to know, and this kind of also goes back to networking, to be honest, Sure, like having cool stuff to send out. The other thing that I wanted to kind of talk about was also kind of pushing our clients to go this route of like, hmm. we can print it for you and we can pack it and do pack-ins and stuff and get into this little like, almost like mini 3PL business. But also it's that we're, we're getting them to print on like quality clothing and and doing it with like small, like supporting like small businesses, right? There's it's none of this is coming out of like some sweatshop out of. Like somewhere in some third world country, like it's all done very hopefully. As we kind of do this more and more, it's like it's done very ethically. It's done very, it's done with a lot of quality and care. Yeah, that's why. So, have you have you talked to
0: Andrew about this at all? I have very briefly. Cool, very briefly. A couple of years ago, we were joking with Andrew that we wanted to for April Fools' one year take down the entire visualizer and replace it with like a Shopify store or something and just announce that that gray noise was closing uh, their (laughs) software service and just becoming a merchandise and apparel company. Yeah. And honestly, like it was a joke, but I think they're like the just community that they have. Like, yeah, people would, for sure as hell by like a streetwear like milk <laughs> milk yeah, yeah. t-shirt or something so you should just hit him up again and be like yeah hey we're kind of i'm sure you're including him in the drop in some way yeah, so.
1: yeah yeah he's getting he's getting a whole pack with a so two things one that's something we should totally work together on that'd be fun that'd be fun because i'd love i love that idea and also <laughs> we can kind of design and supply that merchandise if you want to work on the store and um so that's pretty awesome but there may or may not be a special Gray Noise unofficial t shirt or unofficial Gray Noise merch t shirt in his package that he might get. Yeah, we'll see if he likes it or not. But I told him about it and he was like, You scrappy motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, <laughs> <laughs> These ideas keep like ruminating in my head and I just want it to exist now. Um, I don't really care, care if you like print you printing. But I want. So we work with like a very small local screen printer
0: near me. Cool. I wasn't awesome, sure if you had like gotten into screen printing yourself because. I'm not gonna lie; the thought has crossed my mind before, and I have like I had a friend in college who like started screen printing, like bought a screen printer, and like started doing some like like a little tabletop screen printer, and started doing some fun stuff
1: with it. But I did try that; I did try that once. It's cool, but I think the level, the depth of knowledge our printer has is insane. Like I thought screen printing was pretty easy. I thought it was like you know you get plastisol ink, and then you just scrub it Mm -hmm. and you're good but like i saw her work and she and the and like her like the guy who like pulls it like she kind of like manages like color and quality and like they go back and forth with samples over and over again until they find something that like actually is really really solid so cool like all the depth of knowledge she has is not something I think I can learn I love meeting people like
0: that who are just like intensely like have this incredible expertise in this very in this thing that I've never spent any time thinking about like I as part of this recruiting effort that we did I found this whole blog of like somebody who was like their whole thing was figuring out how to like game like LinkedIn and Google search to like find candidates and they like had an entire blog with years of content dedicated to how do you They call it x-ray searching when you use like Google to search another platform. And so like x-ray searching to search like Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn for candidates and stuff. Yeah. And like, you know, just had years of content on how do you craft searches to like find the right candidates. So fascinating. Yeah.
1: Nice. It's a little bit of OSINT right there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's basically OSINT, but recruiters. So yeah, maybe a pro tip to uh, recruiters probably get paid a shit ton of money. I was going to say, if if security people are looking for more OSINT like experts, maybe uh, tap into the recruiting industry because
1: they're apparently some very good um, Yeah. <laughs> some very good people there. No, there, there definitely are. I think that's always my way of kind of talking to non-security people who, like, I don't have any, like, Gen Z slash millennial friend who hasn't, like, said the word, oh, I stalked you on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Not to me specifically, but, like, you know, stalking someone. In, like, that's basically, like, OSIN, oh, sin, right? And, like, I think there's a lot of people who, especially in New York City, when you, like, I think like when people like meet people on like, like a dating app or something, they kind of like do their preliminary OSINT to make sure they're not a serial killer. So that's always like a fun, I think OSINT exists in so many areas that it is one of the easiest ways to make like security accessible to non security people.
0: When I went to DEF CON for the first time a year and a half, two years ago, the thing that I was like, had the most fun with was watching the live social engineering competition it was so much fun to watch these people like genuinely call like (laughs) gun companies and and try to get information from them. Like so fascinating. Yeah. Anything else you want to touch on before we, before we wrap up? Well, I was going to say you want to talk about recruiting. And I was kind of curious. We're nearing our cutoff. So do you want to save that for next time? I maybe by then I'll have, I'll have some more results sure we'll talk about recruiting next time cool cool man this was fun what was your are we doing small effort you're going to do in the next two weeks or a small effort you did in the past two weeks past
1: two weeks past two weeks okay All right. What was your one small effort of the past two weeks? My one small effort was to start jotting things down in a journal more so that I can go and like write and jotting down ideas and whatnot. I think really putting things on paper is my small effort. Cool. Partially also because of this podcast that I have to, like, I can't remember one week before and what happened. So I have to like keep it on paper. Nice. Love it. Nice. Let's see. What's yours? Yeah. My
0: small effort of the past two weeks. So a big effort. I didn't get into this at all. And now's not the time, but. My girlfriend's cat went missing uh-huh. and um, yes, <laughs> huge saga to find this cat. Um, the cat is now safe and home after being missing for two whole weeks. Good. We had wildlife cameras. We had traps. We had knocked on wow. 75 doors or more. We like blanketed like a two square mile area or something like that. Maybe one square mile. I don't know. But OK, uh, so that was my big effort of the past week <laughs> was searching for this cat and small effort of the past two week. I guess this counts as a small effort. It was like big to get started. But then once I like got into a rhythm, it becomes more of a small effort. So on the recruiting front, I've been doing a bunch of outbound emails, sending a bunch of outbound emails to potential candidates. And I've gotten a really good into a really good flow with like a good template. And I've been getting about a 50% response rate. Mm-hmm. And not Positive response rate, but a fifty percent response rate, which I'm taking is good for any cold email, yeah, and uh so yeah, like last several times I've just like sat down and like I'll just sit down for like an hour or two and just like send a bunch of emails to folks like telling them why I think they're cool and asking if they want to talk, so just I think that's something I'm gonna try to start incorporating mm-hmm. and just making it kind of like maybe even making it a weekly habit or something, I'm not sure, but
1: yeah. I think you could do like 50% that and 50% networking, right? Like just reach out and go like, hey, I think you're cool. Let's chat. I think you could even do that via LinkedIn, honestly. But yeah, no, that's awesome. Cool. Cool. Well,
0: uh, I think that's a wrap on episode one. Enjoyed it, man. Yeah, that
1: was awesome. That was really fun. Cool.
0: Take care. Cool. Thanks. You too. Peace. (laughs) You just listened to Small Efforts, a podcast collaboration between CRIT and Miscreants, hosted by Sean Sun and Andrew Askins. Sean is a hacker turned designer and the founder of Miscreants, a creative agency building memorable brand and product experiences for cybersecurity ventures. Andrew is an engineer turned CEO and the founder of CRIT, a product design agency that helps cybersecurity founders create better products. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate us on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can check us out at small effortspod.com. Thanks for listening. See you next episode.